Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. You are listening to selfdiscoverymedia.com, where illumination and inspiration is about a click away, with so many genre topics for you on everything that you need to know in life. We celebrate and share the people who have taken the journey before you and who are now here to serve you with their wisdom and their knowledge. The next show coming up is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Gina Gardner from the UK. She's an international national one um, uh, number one author uh, has written many books. There's a wonderful list on them here. She's got a TV show coming up, which we're going to be doing a show on that as well. Plus, I'm going to be having her back on uh, festive stress, uh, coming back with somebody else um, uh, later on in November to prepare you for that stressful season called Christmas. But today we are going to be talking about something else altogether. And when she mentioned this the other day in a, in a conversation with her, it was, yes, we have to do a show on it. It is the epidemic of social depression. What is bringing this about? Is it the magnitude of media that we're getting from all aspects, not just the TV, but the internet, the social media? It's on your phones, it's in your ears, everybody's talking about it. And it's literally causing so much stress that people are getting clinical depression. And it's really affecting production, it's affecting hope, it's affecting everything about our lives. So, Gina and I are going to be talking about this today and I'm going to invite you to come back and read her blog because she's done a wonderful blog on, on percentages and what you can do about it and how we can change everything. So other than the show, please come back and read all about this plus about everything else that's coming up with her new show as well. And uh, um, she's a mindful of information been doing this for quite some time and the amount of knowledge that you're going to learn today is something that take notes or go back and listen or listen with some friends because there's a lot to be learned social depression i think we've all got a dose of it right now what do you think gina i think that many people now are struggling on so many levels you've talked about the news we've had a number of conversations about the political situation i think we are bombarded not only with news, um, we don't know whether it's real or fake. Right. Very often it's um, a newsreader's opinion rather than fact. Um, so at one level, we, it's very difficult to determine what's going on other than the fact that there's such a high level of uncertainty mm. that it makes life difficult. We're hot-wired to fear uncertainty. Mm -hmm. We like to think of ourselves as being incredibly evolved. But the reality is that we are still very much, at our very core, cavemen and women. 
Yeah. And in those times, any change, any uncertainty was seen as an absolute threat to our survival, whether it was animals or the weather or um, other people approaching us. So on the one hand, you've got all of the political arena. We are constantly being bombarded with the thought that we've got global warming. Mm -hmm. You can see the destruction that's going on around the world. Those who've got children and grandchildren are fearful for their future. Mm -hmm. Then add the fact that we tend to compare ourselves, but we're comparing ourselves with celebrities and with mm -hmm. photographs that have been so distorted, either because they've been, um, they've been airbrushed mm -hmm. to the point where they, they bear very little resemblance <laughs> to the original person. Yeah. All those people have, have gone and had significant surgery done, so they look nothing like they did before. And so we are, uh, are, are constantly comparing ourselves with something that's not real. Then people in, in terms of trying to help themselves feel better are anesthetizing themselves with drink, um, drugs, shopping, sex, possessions, and I think you know there's and much more. For me, it's a 3D, if you like, a jigsaw puzzle. It's multi-dimensional, but we are consistently bombarded, and I think a lot of people are living their life, and they're living a life through fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. So a very long answer to your apparently very simple question uh, nothing simple about it because of the the fact that it, it had such a long answer to it and there's so many more questions to be had we have become in a lot of ways such slaves to what we are being told all the time you know we, we talked in our conversation before like wartime yes people didn't know when the next bomb was coming and what was going to happen next but people came together and they supported one another what we're seeing i think globally right now whether it's political whether it's um environmental whether it it's to do with um with veganism and meatism, you know, what we're looking at is divide, divide, divide and conquer. And when we come together at times of need, we are stronger for it and we will always find solutions and that camaraderie and support of each other. But when we are constantly seeing the chisel, dividing us and dividing us all of a sudden we feel out there alone how can i cope with this i'm alone in the world you're not everybody else is going through this but whatever's happening out there it is the chisel to divide us because united we're stronger divided we're not i think you know, it's very interesting comparison that you make during you know second world war when uh, you would think that uh, mental health would be at an all-time low and yet the reality is that um, the um, reporting of mental ill health was at one of its lowest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's, again, a number of reasons. People had a sense of shared purpose. Yeah. We lived at a time when family, community, the church, mm -hmm. um, the, whatever job you did, um, had that real sense of community. And although I'm not suggesting for one moment it was entirely perfect, mm -hmm. if you were feeling down, somebody would make you a cup of tea and put their arm around you. Right, yes. But there have never been more people who live on their own. Mm -hmm. There have never been more elderly people who are isolated. If you think going back not that long ago, elderly people simply lived with their families, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Um, 
if you look at social media and technology, which I think has some very positive purposes, many people have a better relationship with their electronics than they do with other people. Mm -hmm. And as you say, people think that we are in silos, that we are individuals. And I think it's only when we recognize that actually we are so incredibly connected and that when we are, um, we are acting in any particular way, we think of it only affecting us. But right. just like a stone in the pond where it ripples out, I think every word, every action, I call it a living legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, the words we speak, how we speak them, or whether we speak them at all, or our actions or lack of them, um, leave a living legacy. And if you combine that with, you know, the fact that people are, are very much feeling on their own, feeling overwhelmed, you know, look at, at jobs. When I first started work, um, it was thought that if you went into working for local government or certain jobs, you had a job for life. Yes. And although it may not have been the best paid, you had security and mm. many people chose that over high wages. Now, when I, when I left Headship, they talked about people changing their job, their pr- profession every seven years. Mm-hmm. But you now talk to many, many people and they are consistently having to reinvent themselves. Yes. And those people who are resilient and strong and do that actually find very often that being made redundant or having to change their job is seen as a gift. But Mm -hmm. if that knocks you, if that rocks your very sense of self, then you can see why so many people are in trouble. Yeah. They're either worrying about the past and the reality is you can't do anything with it. You'll learn from it. That's it. That's right. Or they're anxious about the future and it might never happen. Right. And we don't realize what we do in the now is what's going to dictate what happens in the future. Because the now is all we've got. It certainly is. And, you know, there are really strong lessons that can remind us of that. My brother, aged 49, apparently full of, of health and vitality, um, was doing the London to Brighton cycle race. And, but it was the week before, and he was just doing the last practice with the group, appeared to fall off his bike. Mm-hmm. There was a medic in the group. By the time they got to him, seconds, he was dead. Yeah. And that was a salutary lesson to me that, you know, live today as if yeah. it's your last. Make the most of that. And of course, you know, if if you're going to go, go doing something you love doing, which obviously he did, and it happened so fast, he probably didn't even realize he'd gone, you know, so, um, and I think that is something that a lot of people are afraid to do, aren't they? It's like, well, I don't know, I don't know if I should do that. I mean, I just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Again, what we do today will see tomorrow, but are we afraid to get out and follow our passion? Are we afraid to, to even discover what that passion is? You know, um, I think what we have become afraid of is fear itself, because fear is an energy that just wraps itself around your psyche, your legs, your arms and paralyzes you. And very often it's like, well, what am I afraid of? Because when you break things down, yes, the world is in a mess. Yes, the politicians have screwed it all up. But we have the power to change our own lives. And I think that's what we forget. We keep looking at what the world is doing and we don't look at what can we do for ourselves and the empowerment, empowerment that we need to give ourselves 
yes. and the permission. I think that's very true. I mean, I work with many, many clients and the sense of helplessness mm -hmm. and overwhelm um, when they first come, you know, what can I do about it? It's beyond me. And I, I use an old um, African um, saying, you know, if you believe that you're too small to make a difference, spend the night in a room with a mosquito. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, it, we can do so much to help yeah. ourselves. And in small ways, you know, recognising that our, when we're fearful, we want to stay within our comfort zone. Yeah. And our comfort zone, which if you think of it like a duvet, it's wonderful when it's really, really cold. Yes. But in the summer, it becomes stultifying. It, mm. it, it just takes our breath away. And the other thing about the, our comfort zone is, the minute we cross that line of perturbation, we actually step out of our comfort zone, our comfort zone expands. Precisely. Mm. And I think for so many people, because they are fearful, their world becomes smaller and smaller until it's claustrophobic. And, and that, and that thing, itself becomes fearful, doesn't it? Because they feel they can't breathe, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Not one of these things in isolation is going on. It's when you get yeah. all of them together. I'll tell you another thing which I think makes such a lot of difference is how many people moan <laughs> and complain. Yes. And for me, that's like sitting in a rocking chair. You're mm. moaning, but it's not actually taking you anywhere other than keeping you stuck. And if you rock enough, it'll make you seasick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. There are times when we need to offload. I mean, the statistics are quite scary. If something goes wrong, on average, we tell 37 other people. Well, I don't use my 37, and I suspect you don't use your 37. No. So somebody's using ours. Yes, yes. But when things go right, we tell on average five people. How would yeah. it be if that got swapped over? Right. Because right. complaining is contagious. And I, yes. you know, you go into to see somebody. I mean, this is how our conversation started. Mm -hmm. You go and see someone and then they start talking about uh, politics mm -hmm. or whatever and then get fixated on that. Right. And by the time you leave the room, it's as if you've been with an energy vampire. Because oh, you leave the yes. room and you're just drained, aren't Piranhas. you? Yes. Yeah. Now, of course, you need to talk about it, but let's talk about it in, in the way in which is what can we do? Precisely. We have a voice, we have power, and we can make a difference if we choose to use it widely, wisely. Moaning in and of itself does nothing apart from make you feel terrible and make everybody else around you feel terrible. And it's okay, it's okay to, to say, you know, this has gone wrong. I don't know what to do about it. Can anyone help me? And then be open and willing to receive. You may not agree with everything that comes to you, but there could be just something there that becomes the aha moment, right? So prepared to do something different. Right. My favorite quote of all time is Einstein's definition of madness 
which is to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Exactly. And yet we all do it, myself included at times. Mm -hmm. We do it more frequently, we do it harder, we do it longer. Yeah. And then it disappoints And unknowingly sometimes. It's just oh, yeah. that repetitive pattern that keep, we keep doing without even knowing we're doing it. And that's a really good point because 95% of our thinking is habitual. Yeah. It doesn't cross our conscious mind. So we can get very easily into these, these cycles. It's almost like a broken gramophone record, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. For those of, uh, who are watching this who are very young probably <laughs> aren't familiar with that. It's like but, iTunes yeah. being stuck, folks, <laughs> on the same song over and over again. <laughs> those who are somewhat older will remember the old record. Needle being stuck. Yes, on the same thing. Yeah. I'm going to have to find another metaphor, I think. <laughs> um, but they, we just get stuck. Yeah. stuck. And then it's like being in the quicksand. Mm -hmm. You get stuck and it doesn't then go upwards your mood. Your mood just goes down and down and down. I find the statistics terrifying. Yeah. Over half the prescriptions in the UK are for antidepressants. Mm -hmm. Anybody who wants a really good book to read about uh, depression should read The Lost Connections by Johan Yari, where he talks about the research to do with depression and the fact that depression has a cause, but it's not what you think it is. Right. right. And I think we, the reason I call it societal depression is when you analyze it, many people are living actually pretty good lives. Yes. They've got enough to eat. They've got um, a roof over their head. They've got plenty um, of, of hot water for, for showers, good plumbing. Um, they've got friends and family. You'd think that they would be in a position of feeling really positive and help, hopeful. And grateful. And grateful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think gratitude is one of the most powerful things yes. that we can practice. But again, we look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. Absolutely. And I think that that's really, for me, it's, that's the crux of it. Mm -hmm. If you focus on what you can't do, then you can't do anything. No. If you focus on what you can, then things can be very different. Now, your listeners don't know me at all, but um, I ran a, a, an award-winning school, mainly from a wheelchair. And I'd had two back surgeries. And when I came out of hospital, I was back at school um, being the principal within a few days. And that's when I learned to focus on what you can do. Yes. If I was at home, all I could do is watch television or read. Mm -hmm. If my carer hadn't left me a cup, put the coffee or the tea in it and filled the kettle, um, just enough for a mug, I couldn't lift it. I couldn't do anything. But I could go to school and I could effectively run my organisation. Yes. My mouth worked, my brain worked, my hands worked, and there were other people to do the heavy lifting. Right, exactly. But it was a really powerful lesson for me, not just for them, but for life. And one that I have uh, hopefully helped other people to recognise. The gold is within. It's not out there. But it's you also, you, you yeah, you became the example to other people oh my goodness, she's not at home kind of wallowing in this. She's out here being productive. She must be in pain, but look what she's contributing. And that's, so. I mean, it doesn't mean everybody who has an operation needs to get out there and back that's up. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right. No. It is about, you know, obviously understanding your level, but also understanding that sometimes healing is being proactive. 
it's doing something that you love because that increases the whole frequency and vibration in your body, which then helps with all the healing process. So don't push yourself to a point of harm, but go and do something that you love doing because that's going to help heal you faster. Don't say, I can't. You know that you have limitations, right? So instead of saying, I can't, just say, um, I unable to do this but i can do that and the can needs to be emphasized over there and for everybody it is different yes yes and i think that, that that's another thing that it's really important that people take on board that the difference between being a victim to circumstance yeah. whatever that circumstance may be and choosing that i'm going to make the best of this whatever this may be i'm going to find a way that I can maximize um, the, my capacity to do the things that are important to me. And when you do that, then whatever your situation in life, whatever your physicality, whatever your amount of, of money in the bank, whatever, if you step into being the best of you, you step into your power, which yeah. is being you, the genuine you yeah not comparing not worrying yeah. about what other people think but looking inward and recognizing that you are unique there's only one of you that you have an amazing capacity to do all sorts of things to be all sorts of things you're not broken right you don't need fixing that you are just as you are you are enough so long as you turn up and i right. think lots of people fail to turn up in their own lives yes and yeah. that causes all sorts of difficulty. You know, you're a beautiful gift of imperfection. And that's what makes you so beautifully unique. Yeah. And if we start looking, I had lunch with a friend the other day who's, who's leaving her corporate world and going out on her own. And the word perfection kept coming up. And I said, I'm banning that word from you. Because as long as you focus on perfection, you will never look at how imperfect your perfection is within you it, we have to focus on all the ability that we can do all that we want to do all that excites us all that unites us because that is where the perfection is if we're looking at it needs to be per per perfect by whose measurement because you know you're doing something oh this is perfect oh no it isn't you you've missed this or you've missed that there's always going to be somebody to say to you it's not perfect so stop putting yourself out there in the perfect world and think you know situations can be perfect but if you look for perfection all the time you're going to let yourself down and you're also going to stop yourself from moving forward because you're always waiting for that perfect moment we have a blueprint don't we for yeah. so many things for what love should look like yes. what perfection is nice little boxes <laughs> but everybody has a different perspective yes it wouldn't do for us all the same i went to an art exhibition recently and it was an exhibition of two halves one was um realist uh, uh, painting realism so things looked like they looked like mm -hmm. uh, and the other was very very modern and you know I went to that art exhibition and I looked at them both sides and I realized that for me, the very modern, whilst I could appreciate it, I didn't want it hanging on my wall. Right. Yes. I wanted something that was going to make me feel good. Mm -hmm. But there were other people who were thrilled and, and thought this stuff was wonderful. 
we each have a different perception, a different blueprint. And I think that once we recognize that we are enough, yeah. just we are, yep. uh, and we actually learn to love ourselves, not be self-indulgent. Right. When you love yourself, then you're going to look after your body. You're going yep. to look after your emotions. You're going to look after your spiritual self, aren't you? In a way that you don't, if you don't actually appreciate who you are. I find it fascinating that people have a set of criteria that they measure everybody else. Yes. And then the criteria that they use for themselves. And I would say it needs to be the same. And I think that's another component to this social depression. We're back to comparisons, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. And we not only compare ourselves with other people, but we compare ourselves with this blueprint picture of what we ought to, should be, need yeah. to be, rather than who we are. You know, we're seeing a, a, a huge surge today of very, very popular celebrities or politicians or people of, you know, um, that are high profile admitting depression, you know, or even admitting suicidal thoughts or admitting um, illnesses. And instead of in the past, it would have been, oh, God, no, we can't talk about that. It is now, what? You've had suicidal thoughts. You, you live with depression, yet you've achieved all of this. And that's the thing is they've achieved it because that was where the passion and the conviction, commitment is (laughs) Uh, because that's what they love doing. And that's also probably what keeps them going. And then they have the downtimes where they recognize they have that and they need to nurture and need to love themselves in order to be able to go back and do what they're doing. We look at dancing with the stars, people dancing without, limbs or or dancing death or dancing this and that we're seeing more and more out there that this is your challenge in life but it doesn't define you i'd like to tell a story if i may and it's a true story and for me it was a really defining moment when i left um being a principal in 2004 because of my health um i had already um done a lot of studying Uh, And I decided I was going to become a a neuro-linguistic master practitioner. And I did all of my my studying for that with one organization. And at the end of it, I decided I wanted to go and see as many different people using NLP as I could. And I ended up at the Excel Center in London, which is probably one of the biggest um, centers where you can hold a course, to go and see Tony Robbins. It was Unleash the Power Within. And I went very cynically, I have to say, Mm -hmm. thinking, huge American, big hype, it's not going to last. I arrived and there were 10,000 people on the course. Yeah. In the morning, he was, first morning, he was talking, he was talking about a course in California that I quite liked the sound of, but I completely dismissed it. How would I, in a manual wheelchair, that I couldn't particularly self-propel more than a few yards, Um, on my own, go all the way to America and do this course. And so I just dismissed it. Even though, as a principal, I had worked for the government, I'd worked with hundreds of other schools, the National College, the London Institute. But when I went there, I had a taxi that took me from my house to my destination, always the same taxi driver who would push me in and then come and collect me and take me back. So dismissed it. In the afternoon, we did the fire walk. Now, for those who are not familiar with that, you walk about 
30, 35 feet um, over hot coals in bare feet without getting burnt if you're in the right mindset. Right. Now, at that time, I just had a spinal stimulator fitted and I could walk a very few steps with help. And I was thrilled to walk over the coals and not get burnt. And as I sat in my wheelchair, I was facing the next person. They were a double amputee, no legs below the knee. He tipped himself onto his hands. Wow. And he walked on the hot coals on his hands. I thought, if he can do that, mm -hmm. how am I self-limiting? Right. I went home, I booked my ticket, I booked my flight. Since then, I've been all over the world flying, studying and teaching and for holidays i am so grateful to that man right what he taught me is the only limitations that we truly have are the ones we put in place ourselves right exactly I, he doesn't know who he is i've shared right. this story with thousands of people and many of them have been inspired then to step out of their comfort zone and do something that they've been afraid of doing that they recognized that the only person who was holding them back was them. Right. But that's the point, isn't it? The inspiration from someone else. I always say inspiration is invitation. When you yes. are so inspired, it invites you to think, yes. well, maybe I can. And, yes. you know, we're not diminishing the challenges you face, no. the obstacles that are there. It is just to a point of navigating those. Yes. That you can still go and do what you want to do and you may have to ask for help and you may, um, you know, have to put some things in place because there are those challenges, those obstacles, but it should never be the excuse of why you can't go and do. Of course there are. I mean, I'm never going to be a ballet dancer. Right. I'm unlikely to, to climb Mount Everest. And I think that, you know, that those of you out there who where I call it the, the lighthouse syndrome. There are things which actually you cannot change. Right. But what you can do is change the way in which you react to it yeah. and also the way in which you deal with it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is about within your limitations, but just be mindful that your limitations are based very often on your beliefs. Yes. And it's sensible to challenge those beliefs about what you can and can't do. And I think this, you know, comes then into a partnership with your body. You know, I have a few little challenges and I know that I can go so far. And yeah. at that point, I have to now stop and go, no, this is now time for me to rejuvenate and spend time on myself, nurture myself so that I can get back up and go and do again. So no, you can't go run that marathon. No, you can't kind of do a whirlwind thing like that. You work within your parameters. You work within your parameters, and if there's a day that you say, no, I can't, I'm not going to today, this is my day, that is what you do. And don't apologize about it. Self-care is really, really important. Huge. But I think I'd like to make the, just, there are many people, I was working, I'm working with a young man at the moment, um, he hadn't been out of his bedroom for five years. Wow. Um, he had become addicted to gaming. Mm -hmm. He could not walk to the first lamppost because he hadn't walked. Yeah. And one of the, I've got to make the distinction because part of the challenge for him is when you asked him to do anything that would make him the slightest bit uncomfortable, whether that was physical or emotional, 
he would he puts the brakes on we've only yeah. just started working together and part of this is the challenge i think is working out what's important self-care mm -hmm. and that's really important but also where is the level of um of challenge mm -hmm. that you're not being self-indulgent mm -hmm. to the point of doing yourself further damage right and that's the challenge because sometimes you get it right sometimes yeah. you get it badly wrong but i think for all of this if you're going to be the um the writer of your own uh, life story your own play give yourself the part of the hero and not the mm. lift mm -hmm. so give yourself the opportunity to try these things <clears throat> And many people will say, I'm trying, but they get stuck in the quicksand. And, yeah. you know, if, you know, if you're watching this, try and move a pen or try and move a cushion. Because in the act of doing, it's no longer trying. Right. So, so often it is about do it or don't do it, but don't beat yourself up about it. Do it and do it honestly and recognize that, you know, I'm doing this because this feels right rather than I'm doing this because I've got to do or I feel I ought to, or I'm doing this because I am so frightened of stepping out of my comfort zone and being a bit uncomfortable that I'm going to stay stuck. Right. And that is many, many people, that first step, right? It's that first step. You know, it's Yoda that says do, you know, don't say, just do. And of course, yeah. we've got the lovely Nike logo, just do it. And yeah. I think sometimes, you know, they all fake it until you make it type thing. It's like, Absolutely. believe you are that superhero, you know, the superhero in you. And then everybody has one that wants to come out, wants to be able to do this. And I remember being at boarding school. And our boarding school was in a village and it was surrounded by moors. This is in, in England. And we would go out on these huge walks and the walks would feel so daunting. But our teacher said, you know, we're just going to go and walk over to that tree. When we got to that tree, oh, let's walk over to here now. And now let's go over to here. And the next thing you know, you're home. Yes. We're back at school and it didn't feel that long. So set yourself up the small steps. Yes. Be triumphant in that first goal, in that first step that you've made. And then you go, you know, it's not as hard as I thought it was. I can do another step. Yeah. But if you look at the whole daunting picture, no, that's always going to cripple you down. So one step at a time. And every journey starts with the first step, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Another analogy that I sometimes use with people is, you know, if you're a meat eater, you wouldn't eat a cow in one sitting. Right. If you get a dreadful indigestion. <laughs> Meal by meal, mouthful by mouthful. Exactly. You're going to enjoy it. Or a whole field of corn if you're a vegetarian. Yes. Breaking it down into, into bite-sized chunks or single steps makes such a difference. Yeah, it does. And it, it also gives you your chance for your psyche to actually go, you know what, you can do this. Look at that. You didn't think, I know that, you know, um, when I came out of my marriage, I was, you know, it took a while, um, you know, to actually ask for it. And when I actually came out of it, and any time I hit something hard, I look back and go, look what you left. Look what you found the courage for, yeah. the strength for. Look yeah. at what you became because you were willing to place that value upon yourself. And every time something gets hard, I remind myself what I've already achieved. And if yeah. I could do it then, I can do it now. Okay, give yourself a hug. You know, a little love. You can have a pity party for five minutes and now get on with it. <laughs> it's interesting because we've shifted our first part of our conversation was very much about the macro. Right. It? 
are outside our control. And now we've started talking about what is within our control. Yes. And for me, that's the secret of dealing with social depression. Right. But if you focus on the big stuff over which you feel you have very little control, it becomes completely and utterly overwhelming. And you start to live in that sense of uncertainty and fear and overwhelm. But action by action, moment by moment, in our own personal lives, we can make a difference. Yeah. Smiling. makes you feel good doing things that make you laugh doing something for other people being of service random acts of kindness um enjoying nature being in the moment you know recognizing it's autumn here the colors are just stunning that as you drive instead of being focused on where you've got to go of course eyes on the road but actually enjoying yes uh, what you see you know, most people have um, either a family or they have pets. You know, there are things there to be grateful for and things that can make you laugh. Um, and laughter, I think, is a great... Laughter and exercise are the two big stress busters. Yes. Um, and if you can do them both, um, all to the better. But I think, you know, ultimately, you are the arbiter. You are the arbiter of you, and I'm the arbiter of yep. the quality of my life. And everybody who's watching or listening to this, it is your choice. Everything we do is a choice, even not choosing. Exactly. And every choice has consequences. And often it's the not choosing where things have the, the most far reaching effect because they're almost under the radar, aren't they? They just yeah. drift on and feel as if they get bigger. The la 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 la, you know, hands over the head and over the eyes. I don't want to see. I don't want to know. I'm not going to choose. You've just chosen. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, for a moment, we have a choice as to whether we're going to get the best out of life or we're not. Right. And you know, this is, I think, the mindful thing for us to do is that it's very, very easy to get caught up in the global hysteria. You know, having been just come back from the UK and being there for, for 19 days on Brexit, 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 you guys live with it all the time. After 19 days with it, I was saturated with it. We get you enough of three years of it. Right. And, and we've, you know, we've had Trumpism, which we've had for the last three years, and I'm in Canada, and we still get it, right? Um, the whole thing is it's very easy to get caught up with it. They said, what? They did what? What mudslinging is happening now? It's very easy to get upset. But at some point, take that deep breath and go, okay, are you contributing to the negative energy? Or can you change something about it? Can you change the reaction to it? Can you change the dialogue around it? And we cripple ourselves by believing we can't do anything because we get caught up in the helplessness of it all because that's the hysteria vibe right but if we step back and go you know what the more i rise up within my own life my own vibration my own empowerment the more i'm able to contribute to the solution and i invite you and i invite you to join me let us instead of feeding the negative feed what is positive what we can do about it, and collectively we start shifting the entire consciousness. Because isn't it interesting, in a couple of weeks' time in the UK, it's going to be a a big charitable event called Children in Need, which happens every year. 
people come together. They, they interact with each other in a way that they don't at any other time of the year. Right. They do silly things. And it's all focused on doing something to help children within the UK, but around the world, live a better life. Right. And they have a common purpose. Um, they're doing it in ways that are fun. Yeah. And I do think being playful and lighthearted is something that's incredibly important. And everybody feels good. It's a night on television where you're watching group after group of, of, of people getting out of their comfort zone, yeah. doing something that's not normal for them in order to support and help others. So for me, it's got the recipe of a perfect life, if you like, yeah. because it's got um, people who are caring and compassionate about each other and the world. They're coming together in a sense of connectivity. They are doing something which makes the most part makes them smile. And although they're doing it for children who some of their, their situations are pretty desperate, either right. through illness or disability or bereavement or uh, poverty or uh, all sorts of things. But what people are doing is saying, in my small way, I can make a difference and I am choosing to make that difference. And they have raised millions and millions of pounds for causes they don't take any money for uh, administration every penny that's earned goes to these little uh, they're not the big charities they're the mm -hmm. little unsung heroes in each community that are making a difference day by day to children's lives now wouldn't it be great if we had i'm not talk necessarily talking about it being charitable events um, but events where we come together to do yeah. something positive, where you know, people are supportive of one another, where you can have a good laugh. Yes. Um, and we can be lighthearted, but at the same time, have a sense of purpose, which is about being of service. I, I, I hold a luncheon every month for um, women entrepreneurs. And although we're all in business, it's not a business meeting. It's mm -hmm. about life. It's about challenges. It's about laughter. But it's also like, you know, I've come into this problem and then let somebody else say, ah, okay, have you tried this? Have you tried that? That camaraderie of support with one yeah. another. And women are very good at this. You know, men, I think, are still learning. Yes. But it's okay for you guys to get it. Stop competing with one another. Yes. Just simply relax and enjoy each other. And while you're at it, throw out something and see what somebody's idea is on it. We've also, I think, got into this thing that we need to prove ourselves all the time. Uh, instead of saying, look, this is my ingredient in the dish. Yes. And everybody else put an ingredient in. And let's look at the whole dish and yes. how we've done this together. Because we've been told everything has to be individual, individual. And no, it's collaborative. If we could start bringing collaboration and no matter what else we're doing in the world, where we all collaborate together, we'll all bring the ingredients into the dish, we're going to end up with a feast that really feeds multiple areas of our lives and, and society. But I don't want to hear competitive. I want to hear collaboration. I would suggest to you that, again, go back to cavemen and women. Yeah. Could not survive unless we collaborated. Yes. In fact, the greatest um, punishment was being um, isolated yeah. because yeah. your likelihood of survival was, was pretty remote. Right. And I think whether 
I, I suspect it was probably in the, in the 80s when suddenly it stopped being about working together and started yeah. to be, you know, top dog and, and competition. And I, it's an interesting one because I think competition in the sense of, you know, if you look at, at athletes, for example, yes. uh, wanting to be the best you can be, I think the competition has to be with oneself yes. rather than with other people. Yeah. Am I doing my best? Am I... Am I um, challenging any limiting beliefs or limiting behaviours? But, you know, where people are at each other's throats and trying to do each other down, not only does it do the other person down, but in that we diminish ourselves, I think. Yes, there's, there's the young, you know, activist right now, the climate activist. Um, yeah. And... Um, you know, she was in America. She was recently here in Canada and went down very well. But she was in America. And then because she has Asperger's, you know, um, people came out, oh, she's mentally retarded, she's this and that. Um, the way she handles everything, you know, the more protesting you give, the more you show yourself, you don't show me. And that's the point, is that if you're so busy to bring somebody else down, you know, it's not them you're hurting, it's yourself that you're hurting. Because if you have to bring somebody else down to put yourself up, then you really need to have a good look at the mirror and go, what is so insecure within yourself that you need to do that to tear other people down to make you more important? Because that is something that we all need to address in ourselves. You know, the finger pointing, there's three pointing back at you. Being right, I think, is highly overrated. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. If you're flying my plane or you're doing an operation yes. on my brain, yes. I want you to do yes. it right. Thank yes, you. please. <laughs> in terms of an argument, how many people win or think they win the argument by having the last word or right. flouncing out and slamming the door? But in winning the argument, they diminish the relationship. Yes. And yes. I think for me... You know, having the strength to to recognise that we don't have all the answers, and actually, your opinion might differ to mine, but it's just as valid. But are we meant to have all the answers? Where's this thing that we're meant to have all this knowledge? We're not. We were always designed to be a part of the equation and bring those equations together. You you look at the way a computer is made. You look at uh, you look at even take from the medical system, there's dentists, there's eye doctors, there's liver doctors, there's heart doctors, there's this doctor. Everybody has a specialty. And when they're needed, they come together yes. to work on the whole. What is this thing, this pressure that we need to be all and know all? I don't well, understand that. And what's even more interesting for me is that when people don't know, they believe that they will be diminished by not knowing. Yeah. So they make it up and they make it sound as if it's absolute fact. Um, the reality might, be, is, might be talking about somebody who tweets a lot, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say they're not the only one. Right. I was working, I, I do some couple coaching and I was working with a couple, again, a fairly new uh, couple I'm working with. Um, and they were, when they arrived, they were so busy talking, getting their point across that nobody was doing any listening. No, no. I think we've been given two ears and a mouth, one mouth for a very good reason. Right, yes. Um, but they were so busy being right that in that they had lost the fact that they were actually destroying their relationship. 
And I think it comes from a point of insecurity. Yeah, yeah. I think people who have to be right, right. Um, very often have poor self-esteem. Yeah. What they have is big egos. Big egos or, or, or the insecurity. Yeah. Insecurity, yeah. Yes. Well, I think that's, for me, an ego is pretty much the same thing. Well, you know, yeah, at the end of the, um, I um, had a course that was the importance of you, which is placing importance on your own well being, but that's very different to self importance, which you said oh, something similar earlier. Yeah. That self importance is driven by your ego, and as long as you are all right, Jack, who cares suf who suffers for it? You know, as long as you're all right and we see that a great deal but um and that is always insecurity driven because if you're secure secure with yourself you don't need to prove yourself every five yeah. minutes yeah. um but it's also i think this need for validation you know I, I do you see me do you hear me because you may be listening but do you actually hear what i have to yeah. say and i think for most couples or most people that are dealing with things they don't feel heard I think that's very true. And I think one of the, the challenges in modern day is there is so much white noise. Right. There's so much going on that how often does somebody stop and give you their undivided attention, eyeball to eyeball, yes. I see you, I hear you. Um, and and I want to listen to you. And are prepared to listen yeah. rather than trying to prepare the answer. Right, right. So they're not listening at all, really. Yeah. Uh, and I think that makes such a lot of difference. When it begins to happen, then relationships, whether you're talking about personal relationships or professional relationships, mm. they change significantly for the better. It's the relationship with self too, though, isn't it? You know, because you know, because we've all got that negative dialogue. I mean, you know, I um, I find myself now and again, and my son picks it up. You know, go, mom, that doesn't match who you are. And I say, yeah, it's old residual patterning. Absolutely, I'm feeling a, a little insecure at the moment. What comes up, and it's like triggered, aren't we, yeah. into old stuff at times? Yeah. Me, the 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 thing is. How long you stay there? Yes. And how are you aware? You oh no, I, I missed you. Yeah, I dismissed yeah. you a long time ago. What are you still doing here? <laughs> Buzz off. Shut the hell up. Actually. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was just rereading a book by Eckhart Tolle, The Power yeah. of Now, which I read some time ago. Just started rereading it today. And, you know, he was talking about being watching watchful of our thoughts right rather than entering into them what's really going on here you yeah. know because when you are able to to watch them without any judgment yeah you start to get to the place where you can have that stillness and ultimately that sense of connection and i think if we were all more still within yeah. ourselves and gave ourselves more opportunity if you add that to actually more connection with other people instead of division, and um, for me that connection comes through from actually caring about your neighbour, your yeah. colleague, your family member or whatever, um, and being prepared to, to take some action um, in your own world to make something within it better, then everything would improve. The ripple effect. From a place of love, and I don't mean pink and fluffy love, right. because true love can be quite exacting. It's, it's not about being indulgent. It is about wanting the best for yourself and other people. 
and actually being prepared to take the action that will make the difference. And it, it can be just a small thing because it, it, you know, that, that it ripples out, right? Yeah. Uh, I just did a show this last week with um, a reoccurring, she used to be my co-host on Channeling Ascensions and it's on Ignite Your Heart and Soul this week, this last week. And it was actually on being alone with self. And you know, how many people can actually be alone in their own company oh, and enjoy it? And, how, and when we define alone, that's alone without the telly on. Right, yes. Yes. But just being. And not feeling lonely, but yeah. enjoying being alone with self. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I've met so many people who've come as clients and learning to have a great, to be their own best friend, to appreciate who they are. And I think being ready and able and enjoying one's own company is part of that. Yes. Because if you don't enjoy your own company, you're then totally dependent upon other people, aren't you? But also, if you don't enjoy your own company, why should somebody else? Well, that's true. But lots of people um, will go out of their way to be good company to other people. Mm -hmm. But not but to themselves. To themselves. Yeah. And, you know, it just strikes me that, that you know, whatever comes at the end of this life, nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. So it makes makes sense doesn't it to give yourself the very best opportunity to enjoy this life that's what it's for you well, know you know we're, we're here is this you know beautiful blank slate with a whole load of dna memory from past lives and we're here in that self-discovery of what we're here for what is our instrument which orchestra do i join how do i learn to play this who does it have an effect on you know, how does it lift my own heart and soul? How does it give me meaningful purpose? Because that is the journey of life. And, you know, we talked before about having many jobs, but there's going to be many directions happening in your life, many chapters in your own book of life. And you want each chapter to be something that you would enjoy reading, that yeah. you would like to look back on and go, yeah, I really, that chapter, I really got out and did things. Or that chapter was a tough one, but look, I came out of it. And the next chapter was a great one for me. So be excited about your own book of life, right? Absolutely. And how many people do you know that fear failure? <laughs> when, things, yeah. when things go wrong, it's a failure. Oh dear, poor me. Yeah. Rather than what can I learn? Because we don't learn very often. We don't learn when things go right, but we learn no. a hell of a lot when things go wrong. I just but call I, it redirects. Yeah. It, it because, you know, that didn't work. So redirect into something else, you know, just keep on trying until you find something that works. But instead of failure, because failure is always something that, you know, you did not succeed at it. So therefore you must've done something wrong. That's how we've put failure at. I look at it. That didn't work. Okay, so I'm going to redirect my energy or my thought and my process to something else that might work uh, and just keep on at it because Einstein did and that's why we have a light bulb. My definition of failure is that you fail to give it a go, then mm. it's a done deal, or you fail to learn from it. Right, yeah. And the other thing is that people are frightened of succeeding. Yes, and, yes. you know, people, I think it's about 50-50, rather than stepping into that place where you're going to, to give of your best and you're going to be curious and playful. And if it 
you know, a decision rather than it being right or wrong. It's just different. Yeah. And, and experience is an opportunity to learn. I mean, that, our whole life journey is about learning, isn't it? Yeah. That's yes. what we're here to do. And so... And what do you do with that knowledge? You know, the thing is, is it's not about just gathering the knowledge. No, no, it's gathering the wisdom different. to know what to do with the knowledge, right? It's not an a, a dusty encyclopedia right. yeah. on, in, on a shelf. It is, as you say, it's a tool with which to then yeah. make And for me, it's always about making a positive difference. How, right. can I, how can I use what I've learned to make a positive difference to other people. And that positive difference may just be that it's a stranger in the street and you smile and say good morning. And it could be the only person that person has, uh, you could be the only one that has actually spoken to them all day. So you can make a difference yeah. in, in the time <laughs> acts, so long as you do it with intention. I go down to a little bakery here called the Dutch Bakery in, in uh, Victoria because I love their vanilla creams. So I pop yeah. in there for afternoon tea and I see so many of us all on our own. And I always try and sit next to somebody that's on our own and try and engage conversation. Because I know that sometimes I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy where do they come from? What's their life? I love that. But also for some of them, the reason they're out there is because they need people and interaction around them. And I think one of the saddest things, you know, never mind social depression, I think one of the saddest things that we see today is loneliness. I, I think where, part of, I would yeah. say that's a, a very big strand of social depression. Yeah. And it's because people don't feel the belong. I mean, we, you know, the village was only as strong as everyone's participation. And we never left anybody alone. They were always included. They were always looked after. They were always felt valued, even if they had, quote, quote, retired. And now we just seem to either stick them in a home or they're living on their own and they're forgotten because mm -hmm. we're too busy chasing our own tails that we forget that there's people out there. How do we bring people together? And sometimes it is that acknowledgement. It's a nice day, isn't it? Oh, what yeah. terrible weather today. Yeah. Start a conversation with someone. Yes. You show your UK roots talking about the weather. It's a good door opener, isn't it? Sometimes it's that, that one to just get the gap and you know whether they're going to open a door or yeah. not. Right. You know, and if I see that door shut and the eyes are down. Okay. Um, but you know, then it might be that door opener where you can slide on in. But just um, inverting the connection. Yes. Yes. If everybody took the time to speak to someone that they don't know, um, you know, going on the train, in the lift, walking yeah. down the road and just said hi and smiled and good day. I think, you know, even that just lifts your spirits, doesn't it? Why have we become so afraid of the person sitting next to us? We, we've been taught somewhere along the line subliminally that everybody's an enemy. Exactly. Keep your eyes down, don't communicate, you can't trust anyone. Exactly. And, you know, when you look at the statistics of those that are bad to those that are good, the good are far outweigh, but we put all the emphasis on the bad. How about we look at each other and say hello and find out for ourselves? But the news is only news if it's... Sells fear. Or yeah. it's negative. You know, we'll get the little sweetener at the end of the yeah. program when they give you the nice story about the dog or the, the, the musician or whatever. Um, but I think we have become 
so um, exposed to news and you know the celebrity news celebrities are built up and then as soon as they're famous the news the media want to knock them down oh yeah something about um the negativity which surrounds us on a daily basis and i believe it's it's a it's for me it equates to ebola or to bubonic plague yeah the mob mentality right how it spreads so quickly yeah quickly and it can leave you feeling lifeless and powerless right. and i think it's time that we all individually took the power into our own hands to say enough these things may be happening but i'll give you an example of where people have made a difference david attenborough put on the blue planet program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was he shared his concern about plastics um particularly in the sea although there's as much concern on land I don't know about Canada, but in England or in the UK, group after group after group has been set up to go and crawl the beaches and pick up uh, plastic litter. There are, there are now uh, movements to uh, ban plastic straws, one-use yeah. plastic. He has galvanised the ordinary person in the mm-hmm. street to take action. And we are seeing the wave growing and things happening. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we, instead of being the victims to social depression, started to take control and say, do you know what? We are not going to allow them to be divisive. We're not going to allow this fear to penetrate our very soul. We are going to stand up and start to recognize the good in people because most people are intrinsically good the best they can. We're going to be positive. Even when bad things happen, good things can come out of it. And it's how we as people utilize that opportunity that's going to make a difference. If you're listening to this, watching this, you have the capacity to make small changes that will make a big difference if you do it consistently. It's the commitment. It's the participation. Yeah. It is the, you know, it is the, uh, I call, you know, my new word is actionism instead mm-hmm. of activism. You yes. know, it is, again, you do not have to go out and fill the whole reservoir. You know, every single drop of kindness counts. And I think if we can simply, simply turn around and be kind to one another, yeah. be kind to yourself we be just about to say, yeah. Yeah. Being yes. kind yes. that's the way you start have a, I, I used to in my own um, therapy with my clients I have them have good conversations with their, with their mirror it is very very hard to look at yourself eyeball to eyeball and pull the wool over your own eyes Yes, right? because your face is looking back at you you know when you're conning yourself. And it's like, if you are so negative, if you are feeling so down, if you are all of that, have a good conversation with the mirror and go, but why? Too much news? Stop watching it. Around too many negative people? Don't see them anymore. Feel helpless? Go and do something that's empowering for someone else. Whether it's a small thing, a big thing, whatever you want to do, be proactive. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. It's all about participation, isn't it? In our own lives, in our own empowerment, we bring them that empowerment 
to other people and that ripple effect. You know, we keep saying the domino, the ripple effect, but that is the whole thing about quantum physics is the ripple effect of energy. And when you've stepped into a higher energy, like 580 hertz for, for love, when you've stepped into that higher energy, it automatically starts sending out a beacon. Beep, 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 And it invites other people to rise up to that frequency. So we are the solution we seek. Yeah. With a problem, but we're also the solution. It doesn't need many people to reach critical mass, does no. it? No. Just tip the scale. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope everybody that is watching this will, you know, choose over the next few days. Collect gratitude. Yes. I think it's a very powerful exercise. As you go through the day, just look at little things that you can be grateful for. Make it easy. So for me, the natural world is a really great source of of um gratitudes uh, good plumbing you know hot showers i was away for the weekend on a on a, a course and there were communal showers which were dire um because they didn't run i like mine really hot when i got home i was so grateful for my shower mm -hmm. you know when the cat does something that that makes me laugh a great cup of tea a friend phoning and then all the way through the day, you can't collect a gratitude without being in the moment. Right. And then just before you go to sleep, scan the day and choose your top three or your top five. And what it does is it's, you go to sleep while, you are, while you're sleeping, you, you, um, you go through the day anyway and, and take the learning from it. And if you go to sleep on a positive over a few days, a week, two weeks, you start to feel different. Yeah. For a month and it becomes a habit. And I've got many clients who do this with their children. They get yeah. them to collect gratitude. And it's one of the things they do before the child goes to bed and they have the family, uh, whoever's putting the children to bed. So what are your gratitudes? These are mine. And they share them. And I think that's a lovely way of ending the day for the children and for the adults. Very it's simple cost nothing no powerful. and and that whole vibrational energy in there helps you sleep better and yes. then the, when you wake up you wake up to the possibilities not to the improbabilities Absolutely. You know, the youngest person i've interviewed was 10 had written a book 365 days of gratitude where she had every single day simple things she was gratitude to and, and grateful about. You know, one of the statements she said is, I don't understand if you're unhappy at something, why don't you go and do something that makes you happy? Wise words. They say out of the mouths of babies, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. A very old soul and a very wise one, I would yeah. say. Why do we stay in unhappiness? Are we wallowing in our own self-pity? Oh, look at me, I'm suffering. You know, you know, it's okay to have a good bitch now and again and moan if you're feeling, especially if you have physical challenges. Yes, you need to have someone share you and give you some love. But just to be bitching and moaning all day long, how is it making you feel? Probably not very good. No. I, I, I agree with you. And I, it's certainly the way in which I live my life. And it's the way I've managed very significant physical challenges. Yeah. And it... I've now worked with thousands of people and they have found it works for them too. Right. And that so, simple wisdom of knowledge being passed on. Yes. And really, when it comes down to it, it is always the simple things, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's not rocket science. No. When you analyze it, you think, well, isn't that common sense? Yes. I think it's very strange that we call it common sense because often it's pretty rare. <laughs> yes. Or we may know it, but we don't apply it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. That yes. application is key, folks. You can't. Yes. The engine ain't gonna work if you're not gonna push the button or turn the key. <laughs> no, that's that's very true. Now we're going to be doing another show in a couple of weeks, all to do about your new program. So can you tell everybody about that as well, please? Because they also have on this blog um, a link back to everything that you're going to be doing. But can you let our audience know right now what is going to be coming up on our next show? Um, I'm about to launch the Enlightened Leadership Program. It's the culmination of 30 years work, working with uh, developing uh, transformational leadership. And I've created it um, because I've become so concerned working with organizations and with clients, uh, individual clients, that I believe the quality of leadership is, is pretty dire in so many places mm -hmm. and could be much better even in those places when it's good. So it has two distinct uh, interwining uh, strands working on the basis that in order to lead other people well and in an enlightened way, you need to lead yourself first. Yes. So one whole part of this program is about developing yourself um, personally and spiritually. And the other half is looking at conventional leadership, but also taking that into the place. This is for developing the spiritual matriarchs and patriarchs, people who want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. People who want to lead with integrity, heart and compassion. Yeah. It's been months long. It's been accredited by CPD, which is the biggest kite marker of professional development in the UK. Um, and it's it's not it's not a um, it's not a quick fix. Right. It's really for those people who want to work on themselves uh, and become enlightened leaders who can lead people, develop their potential, and become um, self-organizing teams. Um, it looks at using your intuition. It looks at what's your living legacy going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about it. As I say, it's the culmination of 30 years work. I know it works. I've now used it in, in my own organization and I've developed it even further with many, many organizations and individuals since. And it all gets launched the week after next. Excellent. And we will be doing a show bringing you all about that um, and where we're going to break it down exactly, you know, what it means. And, you know, leadership isn't about you being up there and telling everybody what to do. You know, leadership is being that inspiration that invites people to know what they can do. You're leading them to become leaders in their own lives. Absolutely. And, but until you're a leader in your own life, how can someone follow you? And what do you represent? And we need to, it, the, having done many, many, many shows on, on the new business paradigm, it is now the heart consciousness yeah. uh, of stepping into it. It's like putting people and planet before profit, yeah. not yes. profit at the expense of. And it's, it again requires new thought process. Uh, which will be followed by different forms of action and inclusion and and be you know i was saying business it's not about this is my business persona this is my personal persona you are your persona in business and You're out the denominator, aren't you? yes exactly fascinating i've worked with many organizations now and where the leaders have become 
enlightened and work in the way in which that um, the, the program helps people, supports people to develop. Interestingly, productivity goes up. Yeah. Relationships are better. Profitability goes up. Why? Because you are embracing and um, celebrating mm -hmm. the expertise, skills, enthusiasm, potential of everybody. Right. You are no longer, I've got to do it myself because then at least I know it's done properly. Right. But you are growing people who have are sharing your vision and taking responsibility for their performance in a very different way. But it has to start with you. Yeah. Bottom line, that's it. You are your business, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to doing that show with you and breaking it down there because, um, you know, I'm really passionate about that in, um, in the sense that, you know, everything we we want in life we have to be in life you know we don't get it just because i demand it we get it because we have worked for it we've become it you know it's we want people to work with us we've got to be people who are willing to work with other people gain yes. that collaboration so uh, stay tuned folks here on this posting um you will see um, the, the link to that as well and the whole breaking down of what we're going to be talking about and when that show comes up. And then, of course, in November, having you back with uh, Dr. Uh, Marilyn Joyce, where we're going to be talking about um, festive stress and how to avoid it because yes. people get so stressed up around Christmas, whether you're in business or, or whether you're a business gets affected by the retail business or, or whether you are purchasing and you've got to get that perfect gift, the stress level is really high. Yes. So that is another one that will be coming up. So how do people get hold of you right now? Where did they discover more about the program? How do they get hold of you and learn more about you and all of your books, which again are listed right here on this blog? Um, if you go to the website, HTTPS, colon forward slash forward slash genuinely then a hyphen and then the word you genuinely hyphen you dot co you'll find all of the books in the book section uh, you'll find um all of the the lots of free stuff um but you'll also find um the programs there the leadership program um the website's just about um to go live and that's https colon forward slash forward slash enlightenedleadership.co so enlightenedleadership.co and you can find all about the leadership program there. Wonderful. And a kit here in selfdiscoverymedia.com, all you have to do is put in her name, Gina Gardner, and you will see all of the shows because she will actually have her own three show page there. And so you just need to put in her name right now. It's just this one show and what the leadership program is going to be then the leadership program and the other show. So she'll have her own, her own page here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. Um, always a delight to speak with you, Gina, always. Thank you um, very much, likewise. And I look forward to the next one because uh, we really do have to change the way we do business. Um, and, and not just the leadership in businesses, but the leadership you know, uh, on the home front in, in anything else that we do in life because we are our own product and we've got to represent and uh, what you put out there is what people are going to buy. So do you really want them purchasing something that is going to be negative or positive? So you've got to step into self. So I look forward to that show and to the other ones coming up. But thank you so much for being with us here today and sharing about social depression and what we can do about it. My pleasure. Lovely to speak to you as always.
Take care. Until next time, folks, remember this. If you find yourself getting stressed out and it's just all too much information, stop looking it up, stop listening to it, stop reading the papers and start looking at those little things to be grateful for. Start doing some acts of kindness and start off by being kind to yourself. Because remember, whatever the problem is out there, you are the solution. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show and were inspired to come and visit us at selfdiscoverymedia.com and see what other shows we have for you. And please do visit our selfdiscoverycommunity.org and see how you can be a part of giving back. Thank you very much. Step into your authentic self and find genuine power with Gina Gardiner, number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment coach, and transformational leadership trainer. Gina suffered a serious accident at 29, leaving her paralyzed and learning how to walk not once but twice. It's not the challenges which define us, but what we do with them. You are not broken and you are enough. Gina has dedicated her life to helping people recognize that you have a choice to be happy, to be successful, and to live life full of joy and fulfillment. Access your inner resources to live life fearlessly. Find your true purpose and feel self-confident. Connect with Gina Gardiner at genuinely-u.com. That's Gina Gardiner at genuinely-u.com.